Okay. So, Nadine and I are usually the first ones here on a Sunday morning. We unlock the doors and, um, and turn the lights on. And One of the first things I have to do is I have to turn off the uh, security alarm in the building. And so I've been doing this for over three years. It's, it's automatic. It's, I don't even think about it. You come in, just hit the buttons, and there we go. So I come in this morning, and it's a four-digit code. I won't mention what it is. It's a four-digit code. Punch it in, nothing. Punch it in again, nothing. Punch it in again, nothing. Now, now lights and sirens are going off. Again, this is all this morning. I'm like, what is going on? Punch it in again. I must have punched it in 25 times, nothing. Finally, I let the alarm just start going. I came in here, turned lights on, and all the other procedural things, my little routine on Sunday mornings. So I go back over again. I find a shovel, and I clear a path out front, and I say, it's still, it's still blaring. I'm, I'm expecting the police to show up in any minute. It's going and going and going. Punch it again, and then suddenly I realize, I'm putting the wrong code in. I've been doing this for three and a half years, and I'm punching in the code for my ATM, for my bank card, and not the alarm code. I mean, they're not even close, right? I'm like, why am I doing that? And now that's just, you know, a guy getting old. This is just, you know, that's all it really is. But in that moment, I really felt like, subtly, God spoke to me. And I, I'm sure it's for me, but I share it because it might be for you too. How often in life do we repeatedly do something convinced that we're right? Yeah. Convinced and annoyed that the results aren't coming out the way we want them to, only to finally discover, oh, I was wrong. Amen. Right? I think, I think that's just a, probably a a good life lesson. I feel like there's something God would, would say in that, maybe to some of us say, could there be circumstances in our life where repeatedly we were convinced of our, our rightness? So much so that we're pushing the buttons with authority. Uh, 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 uh. I was like, come on. Uh, uh, and just keep punching them in, punching them in. Not thinking there's something, they changed the code. That was what they, it's their fault. They changed the code. Something's wrong. Right? Or, or, um, or, the, or it's broken. The, the alarm is broken. Because I've done this for three, I'm sitting this in my inner conversation. I've done this for three and a half years. I'm convinced I'm right. And I'm punching in the wrong numbers until the light goes on. And I realized I'm not right. Uh, I was wrong. Yes? Uh, somebody in a sermon not long ago said something about how does it feel to be wrong. Yeah. How does it feel to be wrong? It feels like you're right until you know that you're wrong. Exactly. That's exactly what I experienced this morning. So, Lord. Very humble. <laughs> So, Lord, for us this morning, Charlottetown Vineyard, if there's some circumstance in which we feel like we're right, but we're really wrong, would you have mercy on us and open our eyes? Like you've opened my eyes this morning and all the alarms and all the lights you know, went off. Lord, would you, would you reveal in your mercy where we might be wrong so that we can um, have less commotion and uh, less alarms going off? in our lives. Amen? Amen. Just kind of felt like maybe God was on that. So, all right, if you have Bibles with you, open up to 1 Corinthians 14. I took a break from the Gospel of John last week. Um, I shared a message on how to navigate change well or how to navigate transition well. We're in the midst of change. We're going to move from this facility that we've been in for five years or so and move over to a what I think is a better and less expensive facility in just a couple of weeks. So I um, felt like that was a timely message for us. Um, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep John's gospel on hold for another week and I want to share, uh, share a video with you, a short teaching video 
uh, by John Paul Jackson. Before his death, almost a year ago, a year ago this week, yeah, John Paul passed away on February 18th of 2015. Before his death, he had a program on the Daystar Christian Television Network called Dreams and Mysteries. And if I'm right, I think he recorded some 30 or 31 uh, half-hour episodes for that show. And I wanted to share one of them with you today. Uh, it's titled The Mystery of the Gift of Revelation. I first heard of John Paul about 30 years ago. Um, John Wimber had come to New York to do a, a huge vineyard conference, and uh, John Paul came with him. This was back in the season when the, you know, the group from Kansas City, uh, Mike Bickle's group, what has, I guess, become known as the Kansas City Prophecy, they connected with the vineyard and even merged for a while. And so John Wimber would travel and speak all over, and some of these prophetic guys would come with him. John Paul, the first time I'd ever saw him, was at this event some 30 years ago in New York. Um, little did I know that day that a day would come when John Paul and I would work closely together. Um, I spent more than a decade working with John Paul Streams Ministries, eventually serving on his staff as the Director of Ministry Operations. Now, through his influence and some amazing friends I, I made through Streams Ministry, um, I can humbly say that there's been a significant uh, level of growth in in my life, in the areas of understanding dreams and visions and various ways that, you know, God speaks to me. So why am I showing a video today? You know, my heart is this. My, I want to offer you what God has for you. And so I come before him, and, and usually for long stretches of time, there's a theme or even a book that we work through. But every so often, when I sit down to prepare, I feel like God says he wants to do something other. He's God. He's allowed to edit and I try to follow as he leads, and so I, I felt that again this week like I did last week. And So why am I showing this video? I, I believe that God sent Nadine and I to Prince Edward Island. I'm convinced that he sent us here. And I believe that he sent us here with, uh, with a mandate, um, a mandate that can easily be summed up in one verse of Scripture, and that's, that's what I told you to open to, 1 Corinthians 14.1, which says this, Follow the way of love. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I think if I had to sum up my mandate here, it would be that. I spent, within that first year we were here, I spent months using those verses as a springboard uh, to preach out of. So what do I want for the Charlottetown Vineyard? With that, if that's my mandate, to follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, this is what I want for the Charlottetown Vineyard, for our church. That we would be a church that lives loved. That we would live confident and secure in the Father's love for us. That there would be not even the shadow of a doubt that he loves us and he's for us. That we would live loved. That we would be a people who live love. Secure in the Father's love for us because he's first loved us. That we would live love. That we would love one another. And that we would do that effectively. That we would do that in such a way, like the scripture says, all men would know that we're his disciples. So that we would live loved, that we would live love. And the third is this, that we would live supernaturally. That we would be a group of people who would not dumb down Christianity to the natural only. That we would not surrender the high ground of dreams and visions and prophetic and the supernatural and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we would live supernatural lives in the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what was won for us. And there's no reason why we should live at any level 
less than that. So that's what, with 1 Corinthians 14.1 as a mandate, I'd like to see us be a people who live loved, who live love, and who live supernatural lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to be a church that not just desires the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but one that eagerly desires the gifts, all of them. And especially of all the gifts, like the Word of God says, that we'd especially have an eager desire for the gift of prophecy. Why? Because I want to raise up an army of prophets? No. I want that for this main reason. <laughs> with, with revelatory gifts, it enhances our ability to communicate with God. We can hear Him. We can see Him. We can perceive what He's saying or doing in our lives. Now that gift can work in a vast array of ways. God can speak to me in one way and you in another. I don't care how He speaks. What I, what I care about, what passionately drives me, is that you hear Him, and when you hear Him, you know it's Him. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. Right? Any relationship is enhanced when communication flows more freely. So that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see us especially have an eager desire for prophecy because it enables and empowers greater communication with God. Okay, so let's, um, uh, let's watch this video. It says John Paul Jackson. He had a program. It's, a, it's, a, it's about 28 minutes. There's a couple of commercials in there. I didn't know how to edit them out. and I don't know. Maybe the commercials will be valuable to you. But after we watch the video, um, I want to share... Uh, I want to share an experience, a vision that I had some years ago, and hopefully tie all this together. So, John Paul Jackson. When I was young, there was a game I would play with other kids in my neighborhood. We played lots of games, but there was one game we played that if I couldn't play, no one got to play. I don't even know if the game had an official name. I think I remember one of the kids explained it this way. Let's all sit in a circle and have John Paul tell us about ourselves. I was raised in church, and from as early as I can remember, I've just known stuff. I didn't ask for this gift. I didn't even know that it was a gift. In fact, I thought everybody could do it. I finally began to realize not everyone got these impressions, visions, these knowings that seemed to come out of nowhere, but sometimes I would see a picture, like a projector that suddenly turned on. Sometimes I would hear a sentence about something I had no way of knowing, but it's a gift that doesn't come with instructions, which makes things difficult at times. Because of this mystery, the mystery of this gift, instructions would have really been nice. Some of you interact with this gift every day and don't even know it. Understanding how this gift works is a continual mystery, one I've been studying my whole life. Join me as we explore the mystery of the gift of prophecy. Unexplained emotions. 
You see, prophecy is revelation, and revelation is receiving something you had no way of knowing. While this may not make you a prophet, it is certainly revelation. These are moments that most of us experience, but far too many of us ignore, or we rationalize them or forget about them. Everyone can hear from God, but we don't always perceive it. We're expecting the hammer, and we get the feather. We're expecting the audible voice of God, and we get a faint whisper. We're looking for the elephant prints in the mud, and we get just a few bent blades of grass. Come on, be honest. If you're waiting for God to speak audibly to you, it may be a very long wait. For God speaks in a multitude of ways, and men do not perceive it. God has created each of us with different gifts. We have different purposes. We're one body, but we're many parts. Several of these body parts involve what I call revelatory gifts. Some would call these prophetic gifts. I don't know, but they may become prophetic gifts, but they start out as just the ability to receive simple revelation from God. The revelatory gift is one of the most mysterious of all the spiritual gifts. How does it operate? How do you grow that type of gift? What are you supposed to do with that gift? So what do you do when your mood suddenly changes from joy to dread every time you enter a certain store? What do you do when you just know things and then they happen? Like the woman sitting next to you on the bus who has been mentally abused by her husband for the last 10 years and is on the verge of suicide. How did you know? What do you do when you see a sphere of light shining down on a young man in a crowded room? There's not a course called Young Prophets and Seers 101 in Seminary, yet the Bible is full of just these type of experiences, and the world is full of just these type of people. Perhaps you're wondering, what is a prophetic gift? When many people think of prophecy, they think of the prophets of the Old Testament or Nostradamus maybe, but that's more of a stereotype than really what the Bible says. And the Bible has a whole lot to say and has a much broader view. It has to. Otherwise, there's a major conflict between Ephesians 4 when it says some are called to be prophets and 1 Corinthians 14.31 when it says that everyone can prophesy. These are pretty clear statements. All means all and some really does mean some. So what did Paul mean when he wrote these two verses? He was indicating there were different levels of gifting. You may not be called to be a prophet, but you can receive revelation from God. After all, as Revelation 19.10 tells us, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy shouldn't be treated flippantly. After all, you are claiming to be speaking through revelation by the Holy Spirit. But it also shouldn't be stigmatized either. Meaning, we shouldn't demand more from the gift than what God is giving. There are some of you watching that have been given a revelatory gift, but you don't know how to develop it. You're sensing things that make you feel very uncomfortable, but you don't have the terminology to describe it. Some of you are a little different. Some of you receive revelation visually, like this projector here. You may see simple, quick pictures. Or you may see a series of pictures, like a movie screen, that are more like visions. You may have dreams that, have, that reveal things. You may see pictures that speak to specific issues. But that picture needs to be interpreted. To the body, you're an eye. But the eye 
cannot rest outside the body. It needs the body to function as it was designed. Some of you hear revelation through a still, quiet voice. Or you hear small phrases when you first meet someone, or even specific scripture for an individual person. You are an ear, but without the rest of the body, what are you going to tell? This is why the gift of revelation is a mystery, and it's really worthy of exploration. Otherwise, it will continue to be misunderstood, misused, and we are going to squander the opportunity God is giving us to help others and to know more about God and His Word. I had this dream that I had a test the next day. Of course, I was freaking out about the whole entire dream because I didn't study at all. And then finally I woke up and I was like, nah, I don't have a test to take. And then I went to school and actually there was a test I did not study for. <laughs> Many people go through life having these type of experiences and never make the connection that God is saying something to them, or at least he's trying to. We've exerted a lot of efforts in preparing musicians and teachers and pastors for ministry. If we could put a fraction of that effort into preparing young, revelatory, gifted people to hear and speak the heart of God, who knows what might happen in the body of Christ? Who knows what changes could happen in our services? Don't you think that if there was any time in the course of history that it would be crucial for you and the generation coming up to hear clearly from God that now would be that time? Because Revelation cuts through the muck of lies and distortions that are, we're, we're subject to every single day. The lies that are out there on the TV and the news channels. All this type of stuff. It makes God's purposes clear. And this is an era full of darkness. And we need clarity from heaven. But sadly, we're losing most of our gifted young men and women to psychic fairs, the occult and new age lifestyles. Because we don't understand how the gift of Revelation works. We don't even understand the importance of discipling and training many gifts, let alone training those who have been given this type of gift, the gift of dreams, the gift of visions, the gift of knowing. We tend to go into the psychic arena because we just don't understand it. are missing out on one of the greatest gifts Christians have today, a deepening relationship with the Holy Spirit. This mysterious relationship begins at salvation, but like all relationships, it takes time to develop. Relationship with the Holy Spirit and Personage of the Holy Spirit is a five-disc teaching series that will help you uncover the eight keys to exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What gift you have that the enemy wants to destroy? What it means to be born of the Spirit? Tell us so much more that you may have never even considered that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and desires a relationship with you. For your gift of $45 or more, we'd like to send you these resources on deepening your relationship with the Holy Spirit. To start your journey, go to dreamsandmysteries.com or People are always asking me, how in the world does revelation work? I mean, you're talking about things that happen, happen, before they happen, you declare they're going to happen, and then they happen. It's almost like you live through them three times when you have the experience, 
when you prophesied it, when it comes to pass, it is strange for sure. But let me give you a simple illustration of the basics of Revelation. Here you have a lantern, and in that lantern you have oil, and you have a match. The lamp represents you. The oil represents the Holy Spirit in you. What you don't yet see is the fire that comes from God. God is the match that ignites the Holy Spirit in you. In order for revelation to come, the lamp, you, have to have the anointing in it, or the oil. Now, this oil may already be in your lamp because you've been given the gift of revelation. Or God can put it there instantly through His Spirit. And I'll explain more about that in just a moment. But remember, the oil represents the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's what makes the fire of revelation possible. When God gives us revelation, it produces light for everyone around us to see. Kind of like this. But the purpose of the lamp, this that's sitting here right now, the purpose of this lamp isn't for everybody to see the lamp. The purpose of the lamp is to light the path so we don't stumble when it's dark. When you look at the gift of revelation or prophecy, you see it doesn't operate in the same level with everybody. That's because prophecy functions in three distinct areas. You have the gift of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy, and the ministry of the prophet. Up to this point, I've been talking about the spirit and the gift of prophecy, or as I prefer to call it, the gift of revelation. Many of you feel like you haven't been given the ministry of a prophet, and that's probably right because only some are given this ministry. But we also know in Scripture that all may prophesy. If only some were given the ministry of the prophet, then how can everyone prophesy? Now, that's where the spirit of prophecy comes into play. The spirit of prophecy is that which allows everyone to prophesy. Everyone who knows Jesus can prophesy. It's a sovereign act of the Holy Spirit, and it is possible the moment Jesus comes into your life. That's why it's important for everyone to know God and to have an understanding of the gifts. Because the spirit of revelation operates in a very similar fashion. Not only that, the spirit of revelation or prophecy can actually be stirred up by those having the gift of revelation. Yeah. One of the questions I'm asked all the time is, what is a prophet? You have the gift of prophecy, you have the spirit of prophecy, and the ministry of the prophet. The ministry of the prophet is someone who has been given the gift of prophecy, but they frequently operate in the spirit of prophecy. At this time, you may be wondering, what difference is there between a prophet and a psychic? If that's the case, well, basically, the difference comes in the source that the revelation comes from. Is it darkness or is it light? Is the source dark? Is the source light? Is the source evil? Is the source God? Because every gift God has has a counterfeit that the enemy is trying to imitate God with. I consider the mystery of the prophet to be a very, very high bar to reach because it involves having not only God-given gift of revelation, it also requires a level of character that is only attained through a lifetime of tests in the refiner's fire. You see, it's really a lifestyle that, e that emerges through a lifetime. I've seen dreams and visions of the kind of prophets God is going to be raising up in the years to come. I've seen like in the future. And it's stunning. So stunning 
that from the moment I had those dreams and visions, I shuddered whenever anyone referred or introduced me as a prophet of the Lord. To me, we either have to change the name that we're going to call the prophetic voices that, that are there today, or the prophetic voices that I saw in the visions, or we need to stop short of calling everyone prophets today. Because the two are completely different. They're different in their maturity, and they're different in their levels of clarity of prophecy. The power, authority, accuracy, and detail become are far greater than what we currently see in prophetic ministry. Prophetic ministry is progressive, but the best is yet to come. In my dream, I had this beautiful baby in a stroller. She was wearing this beautiful, striking royal blue outfit, and the color really meant something to me. The outfit was a little bonnet and a coat and shoes. And I just remember feeling so fulfilled. I don't really know what this means because I don't even have any children of my own. One of the 20 most prolific dreams are dreams about being pregnant or having a baby when you don't have one in real life. Remember, dreams are very symbolic, not so much literal. This type of dream is not telling you you're going to have a baby. The baby simply symbolizes there's something you've given to birth that's going to take some time to nurture and to raise and to mature. If you were pregnant, it would be something that was going to be birthed and, and yet unseen. But since the baby in your dream was already born, this means that that which God has birthed through you has already happened and is now being shaped into its, its mature state. It's not mature yet, but it's being shaped that way. So not only has it been birthed, but specific details about the baby have already started to take place. The baby was dressed from head to toe. It had its own transportation, like the baby carriage. In other words, it had a way to move about from one place to another. There was one more important detail, and that was the color blue. Blue was the color of revelation and communion. This new opportunity that God has planned for you and placed before you will involve revelation from Him, and it's going to take communion with Him. And since it was God who did this, your life will be complete and satisfied with this new opportunity that is placed in your hands to shape and to mature. These are the things that God does for us. He helps us be comfortable with that which is uncertain. He helps us to love that which is unformed. He gives us the ability to help others walk into their calling. And he gives us something to birth that we long for all of our lives but had no way of making it happen. This is the type of God we serve. It is the only God. And that's how much he loves you. Over the last 30 years, John Paul Jackson has studied how God speaks metaphorically through dreams, parables, and proverbs in the Bible. God wants all believers to understand their dreams, and that includes you. For your gift of $35 or more, we'd like to send you the Beginner's Dream Bible, a 
CCD teaching the basics of dreams, visions, and strange events, and three dream cards to help you understand and decode what God is telling you while you sleep. If you still need more, jump up to the advanced dream bottle for your gift of $50 or more. We'll include everything you see, plus John Paul's six CD set, understanding dreams and visions, and the Moments with God Dream Journal. Dreams are messages from eternity, but without an interpretation, they're just a mere occurrence. Order your dream model today. Visit dreamsandmysteries.com or call 1-800-538-5285. Closet in session with John Paul Jackson's online school of ministry. Available online are four university caliber courses written by John Paul. It's never been easier to take a quantum leap forward in your spiritual walk. The courses include The Art of Hearing God, Understanding Dreams and Visions, Prayer and Spiritual Warfare, and Living the Spiritual Life. Begin your journey to better understand everything that God has for you by going to dreamsandmysteries.com. For those of you who feel you don't have a gift of revelation, I'd like you to broaden your definition of what that might look like. Would you like to hear from God for yourself and your family? Would you like to be able to discern when someone is telling you the truth or not? Would it be helpful to be more in tune with what God is saying when it comes to making an important decision? Do you believe that God wants to talk to you about decisions both small and large? If the answer is yes, let me give you some exercises to try. But before I do, let me read you a Bible verse that's inspired the exercises I'm about to show you. Hebrews 5.14 But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This verse isn't talking about your physical senses. It's talking about your spiritual senses. Your spiritual senses can be exercised. For what purpose? To spiritually sense what's good and what's evil. How about that? What is God and what is not? To grow your spiritual senses, your senses need to be exercised. Just like working out. You don't start out with the heaviest weights. Your spiritual muscles work the same way. Let's start with decision making. Every second your brain processes 60,000 bytes of information. With this overwhelming amount of data flooding your mind, you need the Holy Spirit's help. So how do you do that? Begin every day by asking God to help you process all the data. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you peace over every decision that will lie before you. And remove peace before you make a wrong decision. And believe that the Holy Spirit will tell you what is right and what is wrong. You need to practice your sensitivity. After you've made a decision, do you feel more at peace or less at peace? In time, the process becomes easier and you'll be able to move up in the amount of spiritual weight you lift. This is a spiritual law found in Matthew 13. As scripture says, as you hear, more hearing will be given to you. Many of you who work out know this. The longer you go without working out, the weaker you get, and the harder it is to gain back what you lost. So let's increase the weight a little bit. It's like 
having no weight, and then suddenly picking up a weight. Now you start asking God to speak to you. In your quiet time, ask God for a Bible verse that might apply to a specific issue you're dealing with or praying about. You may get a verse you've never heard of or be reminded of one that you now need to memorize. You may get a whole chapter, or you might just hear the title of a book. In either case, your spiritual senses are being exercised. Then it's time for you to move up and wait again. <laughs> now, ask God to tell you a song that you'll hear on the radio while you're driving to work. Think that sounds silly? Perhaps. But maybe God is more interested in training you to hear than you are about learning. So don't drop the lace. Ask God to start highlighting people who could use an encouraging word. And when he gives it to you, then step out of faith and approach the person. If you don't hear a specific word of encouragement from the person, just ask if you can pray for them. I found this. So many times in prayer, you'll say something in the spirit of revelation, and you won't even know it until afterward when the person tells you. By now, you may have recognized the first step to God speaking to you actually begins right here. begins right in your heart. You have to believe that He wants to. Not just can, but He wants to speak to you. After all, loving fathers long to communicate with their children. Let's add more weight. Let's add, keep adding weight. Learn what the substance of peace feels like. What does it feel like when it rests on you? There's an overwhelming sense of well-being that defies the logic of your current circumstances. This is the peace that Jesus gives, and it transcends all the world's voices. What does peace feel like when it leaves? It feels like a blanket of protection that's lifted off your shoulders, and you realize the 60,000 bytes of information are pummeling your mind once again. And there's no clarity or distinction among any of them. Remember, all this spiritual weight lifting takes practice. Don't give up. It's worth it. Let's see what I can do here. One. Two.
looking to uncover more mysteries? With over 100 videos, 3 downloads, and new videos added monthly, Streams Media Plus offers you teaching and training on biblical subjects. As a member, you will have exclusive access to Dreampedia, a dream mentoring program, and Beyond, an interactive program where John Paul answers tough spiritual questions from subscribers. $10 a month gets you connected to everything in our library, at home, in the office, or on the go. Get started today at dreamsandmysteries.com. When it comes to the gift of prophecy, we tend to overcomplicate something God has made very plain. We see the end result and decide it can't be that easy, but God does care that we're practicing hearing from Him. He does know what song will play next on the radio, and He does know what clothes will have the greatest impact in your meeting today. He does know why it's important you pick that way to drive to work, which is different than you normally go. Nothing is too small, nothing is too trivial when it comes to God's relationship with you. Practice seems trite at times. Perhaps that's why God tells us not to despise the day of small beginnings. Why? Because He knows something you don't? Yes, He knows because He sees the end from the beginning. And the purpose He sees for you isn't small at all. He wants to share with us tomorrow's secrets. As if by us knowing and speaking these things out, the atmosphere is changed and releases them to happen. Prophecy reveals the secrets from the heart of God that change the atmosphere. And by changing the atmosphere, light is brought into darkness and clouds of confusion are lifted. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Your ability to hear from God could start when the song you felt was coming on the radio did. The person you saw with your eyes closed, you met. Or the one word you prayed that made no sense to you, certainly did to them. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of God. You've been waiting for God when all along He's been waiting for you. There are some mysteries that only you can discover. Because they were created for you. And you only, prepared before you were born. And set in motion... By one moment, one small moment, that you chose not to despise. I'll tell you what. Watching that, it's hard to believe he's gone. Yeah. He's gone for a year now. I, I hope that, um, that that stirred your heart, that it made you hungry, or at least presented you with a picture to say, hey, maybe there's more. Maybe there's more to this Christianity thing than I've considered before. There's more options available. There's more access to God than I, I thought there was before. John Paul, a few times in that video, mentioned some exercises that you could do on your own, just ways that really small risk type of ways that you can practice hearing him that's just between you and, you and God. He mentioned um, ask God for help to process all the data that you'll take in today or ask the Holy Spirit to give you peace over decisions or to remove peace about maybe making some wrong decisions. 
Graham Cook used to say, let peace be the referee. If peace is there, there's a pretty good chance that, that God's in it. The absence of peace is, is an indicator as well. <coughs> Trust that the Holy Spirit will tell you what's right and he'll tell you what's wrong as well. Kind of like this morning with the, with the code. Eventually, <laughs> kind of got my attention. So why can't you just keep punching that wrong code in you? Ask for a Bible verse that might apply to a specific issue that you're dealing with. Or I like the one about, Lord, tell me what the next song on the radio is going to be. Wouldn't that be cool? Lord, tell me what the next song is. What if he tells you and that's the next song that plays? Wouldn't that encourage you that, wow, maybe I'm actually hearing from God. Or ask the Lord to highlight somebody who could use an encouraging word. The imagery they use of a light on someone. I know exactly what that's like to be in a ministry setting and look at a room full of people and for whatever reason, it's almost like a spotlight's coming down from the ceiling and that particular individual is highlighted. So there's lots of different ways that you can experiment uh, with God speaking to you. I want to encourage you to, to practice with those. And, and when you do, let me know how they work out for you. Um, John Paul was known... Uh, all over for, for believing that character was more important than gifting. It was one of the things, one of the messages that he would hammer away, that it was so important that we be men and women of character and that um, it's not enough to just have a gift. And, and, and the reason is this, you know, people won't really care how accurate your word is if there's nothing in your life that says that you're a person of integrity or a person of character. Right? I can remember hearing... John Wimber come and speak uh, in New York many, many years ago. He says, we want people in the vineyard who can heal the sick and who can keep a job. <laughs> he says, we want people in the vineyard who can heal the sick and we want people who can pay their bills. <laughs> so we want people who can do the things, spiritual things, but also live lives of character and of integrity, live lives of holiness and of righteousness, to live rightly. So that when we give a word, People will look at us and say, you know, I'm not sure if that was a word from God or not, but I think Tom's a good guy. I'm going to, I'm going to trust this. You know? So anyway, so uh, I shared all that this morning for a reason. Um, it was really, for me personally anyway, it was great to see John Paul's face again. Um, and, uh, and so all this, up to this point, all this came to me on Thursday. Then last night, late last night, we're watching television. In the midst of watching television, I'm thinking about uh, this morning's message, and I'm reminded of a vision that I had many years ago. And I, I actually had to go inside and edit the PowerPoint and edit my message so I could add this part in. I feel like it's the Lord. And the vision I had was about shaking and about promotion. Two years ago today, on Valentine's Day, two years ago today, Bob Jones passed away. Bob was known throughout charismatic churches, vineyard churches, Pentecostal churches as a prophet. Uh, as an amazing, gift, amazingly gifted man. And Nadine and I had the privilege to spend time with him on many occasions. And, and he passed away two years ago this very day. And then a year ago this week, the 18th, a few days from now, John Paul Jackson passed away. Within a week of each other, a year apart, these, these two men with very strong prophetic giftings passed away. I don't know. Kind of got a lot of people's attention, mine, mine included. And so last night I was thinking about that, and I remember the vision that I had back on March 4th, 2008, about shaking and promotion, and both Bob Jones and John Paul Jackson were in that vision, and I want to share it with you. 
So <clears throat> I've gone through these extended seasons where, where for many, many days God would speak to me in visions. And so my practice was to journal it. And so usually I begin with just some, some words of where I was at at the moment. And just to be fully um, transparent with myself, I'll just write out where I'm at at the moment. Then I sit and listen to God, and he shows me something, I write that out. Let me share with you where I was at, just to give you some context, and maybe help some of you. This is what I wrote in my journal on Tuesday, March 4th, 2008. This vision I called Circles in the Lobby. <clears throat> so I write, it's a crazy busy day. I was up from 3.30 to 5.30 a.m. It didn't feel like a God thing. Slept a bit from 5.30 to 9.15 and have been up and running ever since. Anybody have days like that? You don't sleep well and then you're busy from the moment you get out of bed, right? Now, it's not like, oh, I got to start my day and I worshipped and I read the scripture and interceded for the people I love. No, it wasn't one of those kind of days. I said, and I wrote this, I said, this has been one of the most astounding seasons of revelation in my life, yet I feel like 10 pounds of sin in a 5-pound bag. I told someone today that my whole body feels like a giant zit and God is squeezing with both of his thumbs. That's, that's a really gross description, but that's how I felt. That's, this is where I'm at emotionally. This is where, how I'm feeling spiritually. And I write this. I was like, sheesh, that could actually be prophetic. God's squeezing the junk out of me. <laughs> then, I, then I wrote this. I said, just came back from a quick walk around the park. There was a park right in front of our house where we lived at the time. I wrote, it usually helps to clear my head and bring focus. I said, well, today there were, there were gnats buzzing around my head. Early spring weather seems to have brought them out. They seem prophetic as well. All these pesky little buzzing things buzzing around my head, annoying me and distracting me. Anybody ever feel like that, right? So this is the place I'm in as I'm trying to, you know, hear from God. This is, I write this. The next thing I noticed was a father and his son playing basketball. The son was maybe five, as cute as could be. He's bouncing a basketball that's bigger than his head and trying with all he's got to shoot it to the basket. He gives it his best heave-ho and misses the rim by four, maybe five feet. He immediately runs after the loose ball, quickly catches up to it, and announces loud enough for me to hear, ah, I almost made it. <laughs> his dad and I lock eyes and smile. It was a delightful moment. Maybe, just maybe, that's how the Father sees me. Maybe that's how I need to see me. And so I prayed before, before God showed me. And I said, Father, I'm really not doing so well today. Emotionally, mentally, I feel like I'm missing the mark by four to 500 feet at least. I repent. I repent of everything and anything. Please forgive me. Please help me. Make me truly holy. Make me a truly humble man. So that's the place where I'm at. And God, in his great mercy, in his great love, gave me a vision after that, in that place. I've told you before, God, God doesn't show me visions because I'm good. He shows me visions because he's good. He doesn't show me visions because I'm special. He shows me vision, visions because he's extraordinary. That's the place where I was at. And then he shows me this vision. Now, I had, I had had a string of vision experiences going on for a few weeks before this, and often the place that God would take me looked like a hotel lobby, and the motif was 1940s. I don't know why, but that's the place we kept going back to. And in this vision, we go back to that place. Again, I'm in this hotel lobby, and this is, this is what I write. 
God, you're so good to me, so incredibly faithful to your promises. Quickly, I'm in the spirit and back in the lobby. The room is filled with people and buzzing with activity. Almost a party atmosphere, but not quite. More like a nice, sophisticated cocktail party before a fine dinner. The, the excitement is about the honored guest, the Lord. He would, be, he would be arriving very soon to make an announcement. There are many people here that I'd like to talk to, but I understand that introductions are required. It's a protocol thing. So I mill about watching and waiting. For the first time, I see multiple doors around the perimeter of the room and wonder what they're there for and where they lead. Overhead, I see a beautiful chandelier for the first time. It appears to be made of polished crystal, and it's reflecting rainbows of light throughout the room. To my right, the fireplace is blazing and casting a warm amber glow as usual. Suddenly, everything stops, and the room becomes instantly silent, and the lion of the tribe of Judah appears in the center of the room. He seems larger and even more regal than before. There's a golden crown on his head that I've never noticed before. Everyone bows before him and listens in rapt attention. There are concentric circles being formed, rows upon rows out from him. I seem to be four rows back and can recognize some of the others gathered. I sense that all the spiritual beings I've encountered before are here, plus other natural beings as well. A couple of rows ahead of me, I see John Paul Jackson. Bob Jones is in front of him and to the right of John Paul. I see other men I recognize in the front row, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, and Paul Kane. Scattered throughout the circles are other men and women I recognize. And then I begin to take note of them. There was a young girl from our church, and there was a friend and two other ladies from our church were there, and the son of one of them. And then there was, there was a, a young man in his 20s, but in the natural at that time, he was but an infant, and I recognized him as well. And someone I've mentioned before, Doug Addison, he's a well-known, prophetically gifted man and a friend. He was also in this room. And, um, and I also wrote that there are other natural beings in the room, but I don't know them. What do I mean between natural and spiritual beings? Well, up to this point in these visions, I had encounters with the spirit of love, with the spirit of truth, with someone named righteousness, and uh, the spirits of wisdom and revelation. Those were spiritual beings. But in the natural, I saw people in human form that I recognized. Then I write that the Lord, as the lion begins to roar out this, his announcement, the awe of God resounds throughout the room. Everyone is in awe of the Lord's presence and his holiness. We're shaken by his word. I can't understand what's being said. His voice is so loud, it sounds like a thunderous freight train barreling down the tracks. I feel and I can see the shock waves, sound waves rippling throughout the room and through me from the voice of God. There's a divine order. There's a realignment taking place among the ranks as this roar reverberates throughout the room. Many in the room disappear and others fill their empty places, kind of like Tetris, like the game Tetris. Many in the front row disappear, and the older men I recognized are gone. John Paul has moved to the front row. Understanding comes, shaking and promotion. Divine shaking and promotion. The Lord stops roaring, and slowly the vibrations stop. 
A peaceful calm, a holy silence fills the room. Then one by one, people are launched through the ceiling and out of the room. A few at first, and then many. It looks like fireworks or popcorn. I seem to stay put, and, it's the vi and this vision fades to an end. So there was shaking and promotion. In the vision, Bob Jones was sitting in the front row, and at one point he disappears. He gets promoted. He goes to heaven. John Paul moves to the front row. This was two years ago Bob was promoted. A year ago, John Paul's in the front row, and now he's disappeared. He's been promoted to heaven. Other people move forward. Now I want to remind why, all that, why, why am I doing this? Why have I taken this time today? As we started the new year, I, I, I shared with you some prophetic insights for 2016. I said that 2016 would be a year of new beginnings, divinely established new beginnings. That justice, we would see justice in 2016 for injustice in 2008. I had that vision back in 2008. I hadn't thought about that in years. It wasn't till last night it came to mind. And I already start, decided to share the, the John Paul video. But that was from 2008. I shared for our church that I felt like a shaking would mark changing seasons from winter to spring. There's, there was shaking and promotion I saw it in 2008. I feel like the Lord's saying that we're living in a very significant season. Consider this for yourself. This is how I'm feeling it. This is how I'm interpreting it. I feel like right here, right now, this is a significant time and season. I think when, when world-renowned, world-known, worldwide-known prophets pass on, that that's, that's a significant thing. Some people... Um, speak prophetic words, some people see things prophetically, other people live prophetic lives. Bob Jones lived a prophetic life. He was known as the prophet of love and he dies on Valentine's Day. That's, that's a God thing, right? A, a year later, John Paul passes on. And God reminds me today of a vision I had back in 2008. This is a significant season. There's shaking because God's making an announcement, there's a realignment, and after the shaking, comes promotion. People will move. They'll move forward in the things that God's called them to. They'll move closer to the Lord. So I feel like we're living in a, in a significant season, a spiritually significant prophetic season. Remember I told you that shaking would mark the change of seasons. And we have a significant change just in two weeks as we move to a new facility. I told you that our song of the year would be We Will Not Be Shaken. There's powerful stuff on that song. I felt like our verse of the year was John 15, 5, that he's divine and we're the branches, that our purpose is to remain in him, our calling is to live in union with God as our source. I felt that in this, in this new year, there would be a redefining of what we understand as the church, and there would be a release of divine creativity. And so um, all those pieces came together in my mind. Um, I'm hoping that... Um, it's able to come together uh, for you as well and that you can feel the significant, uh, significance on it that I did. Colin, Angie, you guys come up and, and lead us in a final song um, as, I, as I close this in prayer. If you, need, if you need ministry today, if you need prayer for anything, 
Um, if there's something that's going on, if you need prayer so that maybe like some of the things John Paul talked about that you could hear or see or sense or perceive God in, um, in more, uh, with more clarity than you do now, come forward. Uh, be happy uh, to pray for you. So Lord, I pray that, that you would be with us, that you would be kind to us, that you would continue to be kind and gracious to us, oh God. Lord, we want you. We want to know you. We want to hear you. We want to see you. We want to have more intimate communion with you. Lord, I pray for all of us. Would you put the pieces of the puzzle together so the picture comes into view? Um, you're so big. You see the, the end from the beginning. Lord, you knew what two years ago meant and what, what it meant a year ago, what it means today. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding so that the revelation that you grant will make sense to us. We ask this, well, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys stand and as these guys lead us in a final song?